Our storyteller this week has spent over a decade helping hundreds of individuals transform limiting core beliefs and behavioral patterns into purposeful living practices. But Leilani's story started long before she began helping others heal from their trauma. Her story is one of surviving domestic violence as a child, getting kidnapped twice, a long healing journey, and ultimately how she's using what she experienced to bring more empathy and healing to the people and organizations she works with. Leilani's story is one of hope for anyone who is currently or has previously experienced major family trauma and needs support in knowing that there is another side and that we have the power to create a loving life for ourselves, regardless of our past. From Fragile Moments and Not Today Media, I'm JD. This is story number 34 of the What's Your Story podcast, Resilience Rising. Leilani Lima. I am a counselor and a consultant, and I'm here to share a little bit about my story with you. So I'm going to work a little bit backwards because this is the first time I get to very publicly share a piece of my story that for 20 years had to remain hidden underground for safety reasons. And just in these past five years, the door has opened for me to be able to share more. Um, yeah. <laughs> and what I recognized is that even though I've had five years to start getting comfortable sharing my story, I had 20 years of living in a pattern where that was not okay. And so I've asked myself many times, why has it been so hard now that I can share things to actually share them? So it's been quite a practice of compassion, observation, deep, deep exploring. And one of the things I told myself was, okay, let's get out of the comfort zone and start sharing things a little bit more personally. I'm very comfortable with public speaking. I do a lot of um, training, teaching, like public engagement, but it's always with a focus on something else. Yes. And a focus on how I can help others. And in the meantime, I'm like hiding behind. <laughs> like, how can I be of service to you, but don't look behind the curtain? <laughs> don't look at me. I don't want you to know that. I have suffered as well. Um, so thank you for making time to hear part of it. So uh, the number one reason that um, not only my story, but my mother's story as well, had to stay in hiding for so long is that about 25, 26 years ago, 
Um, my mom and my dad had a really bad divorce. Um, they were both immigrants. Well, the three of us are immigrants from Brazil. We moved to the U.S. when I was about four. And by the time I was eight, um, things really were not working out for them. What my mom didn't really know at the time was that my dad was certainly suffering from a mental illness. Um, he never got diagnosed. He never took himself to get diagnosed. So it's a little hard for us to pinpoint what it was. But it led to a lot of domestic violence. It led to threatening of my mom's life. And it led to my dad coming up with a lot of stories, um, telling my mom that we were being deported from the U.S. And so we weren't, but this was a, a story he made, um, you know, again, from his place of mental illness. And so we went back to Brazil for a little bit. And my mom recognized that uh, she wasn't really safe and that her ability to have joint custody with him probably wasn't going to work out. So in a very you know, fearful, traumatized mental state, uh, she moved us out of where we lived in Brazil to another area of the country um, and didn't let my dad know. So you can imagine now that a man with undiagnosed mental health issues, um, you know, the state that that would put him in. And it eventually led to about two or three months um, of my mom and I kind of hiding out in a family member's house of uh, my dad finding us there. And just to give a little context here, I was really close to my dad. My dad to me was not um, a scary person. I was not aware of these mental health. Oh, absolutely not. At, at eight years old, especially, you know, I was like, daddy's little girl. I was so close to him. And, um, but my dad found where we were just as my mom and I were about to make another move. And, um, he pointed a gun at me and at my mom to be able to take me from her. And I can recall that this was a scary situation, but you know, as an eight year old going through something like that, you kind of black out certain. Yeah. And long story short, um, you know, my dad was actually able to, to drive off with me and uh, we eventually ended up in Mexico under different names. Um, I don't know how he managed to cross borders and have documents, um, but we ended up in, in Mexico living actually in the beautiful coastal town of Puerto Vallarta. And for a little bit over a year, that is where I grew up with a different name, um, a totally different life background, just a story that my dad shared that um, I would have to tell people story. And again, eight years old, you don't really know, you know, that this may be wrong or bad. All I knew is that I got to spend a lot of time playing the ocean and at the river and catching tadpoles. So my best memories of childhood actually happened to be from this time. Um, and I share that too, just to, to point out how complex childhood trauma can be. 
Um, meanwhile, for that almost year and a half that I was with my dad, um, my mom was, you know, internationally going from Brazil to the U.S., working with different group, groups to try to find me. So um, anybody who's familiar with the Latin American channel, Univision, would have seen our story on there. They would have seen my pictures as a little kid on the television, you know, newspaper clippings, um, the whole thing. So uh, a downstairs neighbor from where my dad and I lived actually happened to see that special on the TV, contacted the group, and I believe it was a church group that was with my mom that they... They then came, they started to do some reconnaissance work, they came to my school, and at that point, um, they basically did like a second kidnapping. They were trying to extract me from there. So at this point, I'm, you know, a little bit older than nine years old, and I'm being kidnapped the second time, um, this time from who I, I think are strangers, but I, I start to recognize it's my mom. The police actually uh, pull them over. We don't make it to the airport. And it just opens up this entire international crisis. And so it's, you know, that there was a lot here that happened in a short amount of time. You know, at eight, when we left the U.S., I left the home that I knew, the school that I went to, the dog that I had. So it was a, a huge loss. And then being in Brazil, again, a huge loss. And then being in Mexico and um, the U.S. actually called my parents back here to the U.S. to settle this court case, this custody battle. Um, so it was another time losing my home, my friends. So there was a lot of loss at that young age. Um, and by the time we came back to the U.S., the courts decided that with my dad's mental state and some of those really poor choices that he made, kidnapping a child across, you know, a couple of countries, um, they gave my mom full custody. And that did not land well with my dad at all. Um, he threatened to take my mom's life. He threatened to kidnap me again. And no matter what the courts asked of him or the opportunities that they gave him um, to stay in my life and in our lives. He, again, from a mental illness place, he was just really dead set on him being right, them being wrong. It was, you know, the choice between go to therapy so that I can see my daughter or continue fighting the courts because I'm right. And it's taken me a lifetime of really sitting with that and going through the grief, the anger, the understanding, the compassion of, of somebody being in that position. Um, because he was, you know, in that mental state of, of being violent towards my mom, Basically, the court said, you guys need to hide, you need to disappear. We're going to give you guys new names. We're going to put you in some domestic violence shelters to keep you safe. We're going to move you out of town. 
And for about two years, uh, my mom and I moved around Seattle and the Seattle area, staying at uh, multiple domestic violence shelters. And, you know, it was quite the experience. Um, I can say that in a lot of ways, it very positively shaped who I am. The past 13 years of my career, I have spent helping other people who have gone through an trauma. And I can relate to their stories. And so when somebody has a big story to tell me, I'm not scared to hear it. I've been there. So I've taken all of this trauma and tried to, you know, make something good of it. Um, but yeah, it was it, it was about 20 years of my mom and I moving around a lot. She was eventually able to get on her feet, start her own small business. We didn't have to live in shelters anymore. She was able to put me through college. I was the first person in my family to go to university. So, you know, she really turned things around. But we lived in constant fear that my dad would find her. Um, we Again, we had to change our names. We had to stay in hiding. We couldn't tell people where we were from or what our background was. So I grew up in that mindset of sharing things that are personal to you equals danger. And it did. This podcast is humbly sponsored by BetterHelp. As a holistic health coach turned mental health advocate, I know the importance of finding the right support. Why? Because I've been battling anxiety and depression for over 10 years, and I know I'm not the only one who struggles with their mental health. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen. Talk to your therapist in a private, online environment at your convenience. All you do is just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you're matched with the therapist in under 48 hours. I say this all not as someone telling you to simply click on another sponsor, but as someone who's been seeing a better health therapist for the past year. I've never felt more valued, respected, and full of hope for my mental clarity than I do with each passing session with my therapist. Join the 3 million plus people, that plus being me, who have taken charge of their mental health when experience better health therapists. As a special bonus offer to listeners, you get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. That's betterhelp.com slash fragile moments. Remember, just because you need help doesn't mean you're not worth helping. My father passed away. He passed away back in 2017. Um, also a very tragic story for another time, perhaps. <laughs> um, but when he passed away, a lot of emotions came up. But one that I think could be uncomfortable or hard for people to hear was a massive sense of relief. There was a lot of loss. Uh, I had a lot of grief that we would never be able to repair things. But finally, my mom and I weren't going to have to live in fear anymore. 
Um, my legitimate fears growing up were, is my dad going to kill my mom? That's not a normal thought that an adolescent should have to experience. And yet that was, those were the cards we were dealt. 20 years of running. And that's, that's certainly how my mom would describe it too, is that we were often on the run. And so to get the privilege of doing things like getting to settle down, getting to build deeper relationships. To me, once, once my dad passed, it opened up all of these opportunities to get to live a little bit more like other people. Um, to not worry if, you know, if I'm with a partner and my dad pops into the picture again, am I putting them in danger? Um, am I going to have to leave school and leave my job and, and hide again? So, again, it, it's been about five years now since he passed. And it's been a really beautiful blossoming time for me to, to again, getting to share things like this, um, getting to share with certain friends who have known nothing about my story, pieces of it. Friends that know me but have known nothing. And of course, there's the people that I'm the closest to that they know this story. And they know it because I know that they can hold it. I know that they can be tender with it. So this is me working on sharing more of my story and just holding that tenderness myself. What's Your Story is produced by me, JD, with background piano music by Chad Lawson. These beautiful, inspiring, wonderful stories, they're all yours, listener. So if you've got a story you want to share, you can do so by heading to fragilemoments.org slash tellyourstory. If there's something that rang a bell with you today or something that truly touched your heart in today's episode, let me know by sending me an email at jd.jedi at fragilemoments.org. Or you can just tag the show at at StorySharingPod on Twitter as well as Instagram. Thanks once again for choosing to listen, and I look forward to hearing your story one day, because we all have within us a story to tell, a song yet unsung.